successful media and public affairs consultant, accomplished entrepreneur and national writer and contributor, attorney who served in the Missouri House of Representatives, worked in the White House and CNN, thought leader, entrepreneur, and host who takes the conversation to the next level. Prepare to get rare access to fascinating guests. You're connected. You have the it factor. You've joined Grill Nation. Connect with Jason on Twitter at Jason Grill. Connect with the show on Twitter at Grill Nation Show. And online at GrillNationShow.com. Welcome your host of Grill Nation. Always dressed up and ready to go even in a radio studio. Here's Jason Grill. Hello everyone and welcome to Grill Nation with Jason Grill. 980 AM KMBZ as well as on GrillNationShow.com and on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Website again is grillnationshow.com. Fun show today. We have one of our honor contributors and supporters on the show, Ryan Maybe. His uh, Twitter handle is at Roundtable Rye. Uh, he's going to be joining me in just a second, a great partner and supporter of the Grill Nation show. A lot to catch up with Ryan on as we enter summer. He comes on the show uh, bi monthly, so he's on the show every other month uh, to talk about things happening here in Kansas City. Also, talk about the Rieger and Jay Rieger and Co. So we'll get to him in just a second. Partners and supporters of Grill Nation, including our title sponsors of the show, are Trust, MoBank, BOK Financial, and Two West Advisors. Also, as I mentioned, our honor contributors are uh, Ryan Mavey, Kansas City Power and Light District, and Reactor Design Studios, and Clifton Alexander. Ryan, how are you, man? I'm going to bring do- you on to the show right now and and uh, get going here because we got a lot to talk about. Yeah, man, I'm doing good. Had a you know mm-hmm. had a good holiday. Yeah, Weekend how was and, your? What do you, so take us through a guy like you. You know, you're always, always working on something, and and obviously you have the Rieger KC, and you have Jay Rieger and Co. So both of those things are kind of weekend activities with work, I would imagine. Yeah, um, I mean that's generally where I spend most of my time, uh, especially on the weekends because I'm I'm traveling a lot during the week these days. Uh, but when I'm when I'm here in Kansas City, I I usually spend most of my time at the Rieger and at Manifesto, and and uh, this last weekend. Uh, being uh, Memorial Day weekend was was really busy. It was great, and then uh, uh, we always close on Memorial Day, so had an extra day off. So mm-hmm. that was nice. The websites are jriegerco.com and theriegerkc.com. You did your uh, redid your websites recently? Yeah, nice. we did, and actually we added another one, manifestokc.com. Oh, really? Yeah, Manifesto um, has always had a page that was kind of hidden on the riegerkc.com website that was kind of. Kind of tongue in cheek, kind of a joke, you know, meant to sort of, you know, represent the fact that it's a tucked away little speakeasy, so to speak. Um, and it had like this little hidden Easter egg on the website for the Rieger where if you found it and clicked on it, it would take you to, uh, the manifesto page. But, uh, it wasn't very practical as far as promoting the, <laughs> the business. So we, we finally, after all these years, decided to have an actual legit website for manifesto. Yeah. The websites look nice. They're very clean, easy to navigate. Beautiful photography from, uh, Samantha Levi. Hmm. Okay. Um, all of these things are available also on social media, all of your websites. You mentioned you've been traveling a lot. Um, what's that like? I mean, you're basically selling every day, right? Out there. Yeah, essentially. I mean, I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm out selling. I'm out hustling is mm-hmm. what I, I like to say. It's kind of, it's fun. Um, it's a little change of pace, but, um, at the, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm out promoting Kansas City. I'm out promoting Kansas City's history. I'm talking about the Rieger. I'm talking about, Jay Rieger and co and our roots dating back to the 1800s and we're building a brand and that, that feels really good. So, 
uh, aside from the the constant uh, you know being on the move and, and airports and hotels and all that. It's it's a it's a lot of fun. It's really exciting. What do when you go into a big city like what do they say? Because I'm assuming that they get hit up a ton. So people in Dallas or Chicago or New York probably have talked to other people that have a uh, a company that in spirits. I would assume it just depends. I mean, there's a the market is so fiercely competitive. I mean, there's now literally thousands of brands out there that you have to compete with. If you look back 10 years ago, there were maybe 80 distilleries in the United States. Now there's a thousand. Mm-hmm. And so there's so much competition and you've really got to find a way to not only set yourself apart and differentiate yourself, but find a way to communicate that message effectively mm-hmm. and just get people, um, get people excited about what you're doing and, and selling your product because it, 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 uh, it takes time to build it, especially outside of Kansas City. Here we, we get to benefit from the fact that we're a local company. Mm-hmm. Um, but in Chicago or in New Orleans or Louisville or New York or wherever and, and all these other markets we're in, it's a little different uh, approach. But at the same time, I haven't really experienced any pushback uh, because of the fact that we're from Kansas City. I mean, people are actually interested in it and they're excited about it. And why do you think that is? I hope it's because it's good. Yeah, that's the, well. Know. I mean, I, we know it's good, but you think it's just is it's the branding, it's the background you have. I mean, what is it? It's a little bit of everything. I would say that we have, uh, we kind of have a little bit of a leg up on some of the competition just because of um, my background in the bar industry and and, and all that. So we kind of already appeal to bartenders um, uh, of a certain ilk. Um, also the people that we brought on board, you know, having Tom Nickel, the former master distiller from Tanqueray adds a lot of credibility to mm-hmm. our gen, uh, that n- not anyone else can say, no one else can say, Hey, we have the former master distiller from Tanqueray making our gen. Um, uh, we've got the former master distiller from Maker's Mark, uh, Dave Pickerel, who we've had on the show before. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a character. A you lot know, and- <laughs> of my friends drink a lot of Maker's Mark at the lake this week. Yeah. So, you know, having him as part of our team certainly helps. Yeah. So we have some, we have some Good advantages advice. there. Yeah. So you know, we can, we can really take a number of different angles when it comes to, uh, pitching our brand in other markets. And we can talk about the history of our company or we can talk about what we're doing today that's really different and, and unique. Mm-hmm. And one of the things you're doing, I know that it's, we'll get into your Kansas City whiskey here in the second segment, but the gin. Yeah. So, uh, I went on the tour recently. Uh, not the tour, but we had an event at your distiller, which I, I thought it was really cool. Um, you know, I've driven by it so many times and not realized that was where you guys made all this. Uh, yeah, yeah. This stuff. It's, it's, it's right out in the opening yet completely hidden. Yeah, it's cool. It's, uh, right next to Knuckleheads and by the local pig, right? Right. So I went down there and, and, you know, went through and saw everything, but the gin was very, uh, apparently is done very well because there's not many good American gins, right? Well, I don't want to, I don't want to say there's not, but you know, kind of. <laughs> Here, here's the thing is like, there's this explosion right now in the spirits industry and, um, and all these little micro distilleries are popping up around the country and, and it's a, it's a very, uh, trendy thing to do, you know, and so people are really getting into it and that's great. However, um, making gin is not easy. You can't just, you know, retire from your day job and say, I'm going to go make gin. You know, it's really an, a craft and an art form and takes a lot of nuance and, uh, years and years and years of training, you know, it, it's, it's a complex process. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people get out there and think, oh, I'm just going to, you know, make a gin or, or whatever and, and come up with a cool label and name and everything. And it's going to be easy. I'm going to become a millionaire, you know, but it's not that easy. I mean, the, like I said, the competition is fierce and you really do at the end of the day have to have a good product. Mm-hmm. You can't rely on being, uh, local, uh, you know, for the entirety of your existence. You've got to, you got to really stand behind the quality. Is that is gin kind of 
raising its the bar a little bit? Is it is it growing in America? Yeah. So if you look at it is. So if you look at um, you know year over year trends in those categories of American spirits, uh, whiskey is the fastest growing. It's growing at like roughly five percent. Uh, each year. Um, and then Irish whiskey is a subcategory that is growing at the fastest rate. Gin is growing, uh, year over year as well. Vodka is actually losing a little bit of market share every year. They're kind of declining a little bit, but vodka is still the number one selling oh, spirit is. category in the country. Oh, by far. Okay. Yeah. By I mean, far. it's become absolutely massive and, and it, it eclipsed whiskey back in 1972 as the biggest selling category of spirit in America. And it's stayed that way since then, but they are, that category is losing. I think it's just become saturated, you know, and now gin, people are starting to appreciate gin, whereas they, you know, a lot of people thought 20 years ago when they had gin in college or whatever, it was uh piney and, you know, it was bad, but you were probably just drinking a bad product. And now you've got a lot of good products, good products out there. Up and you there. also have, I think a lot of it is fueled by the bartending industry and bartenders that are taking more care and more, uh, thoughtfulness in the drinks that they make, and they're making better quality cocktails. Mm-hmm. Ryan Maybe is our guest today and our contributor to Grill Nation. We'll be right back after the break. Thanks for listening. We'll raise up our glasses against evil forces singing whiskey for my man. Welcome back to Grill Nation with Jason Grill, 980 AM, KMBZ, and on com as well as iTunes and Stitcher Radio. If you're listening today via podcast, we greatly appreciate it. You can connect with me on Twitter at Jason Grill and at Grill Nation Show. Also available on all social media networks. Just search for Jason Grill. That's G-R-I-L-L. We're talking to Ryan Maybe. His Twitter handle is at RoundTableRye. Good Twitter follow. He's a... Done a lot in his life, uh, entrepreneur extraordinaire, also with the, the Rieger KC down there in the Crossroads and in the East Bottoms, uh, Jay Rieger & Co., where the distillery is, which I had a chance to take take a look at. Uh, it was really cool if you haven't been down there. I believe you guys, uh, they have a little gift shop there. There's some cool stuff. I bought a bunch of stuff. Yeah, a little makeshift gift shop. Yeah, you yeah. Know, it, it's, kind of, it's kind of thrown together at the entryway there. <laughs> but, but if you want to spend a lot, some money and get a T-shirt or a hat or, or something, yeah, we can certainly do or that. Or some liquor. We can do that too. Absolutely. Yeah. And you guys, it's amazing the history. I, I learned so much more. I've talked to you hundreds of times. Talked to Andy's wife. Uh, she just was just amazing to talk to her about the fact that you guys were the first distillery in like a hundred years in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, yeah. 95 years. 95. Yeah, exactly. And what's, what's ironic about it is that not only were we the first distillery in Kansas City, Missouri in that span of time, but we were also the last. We, okay. we, Died with prohibition in 1919 um, as this massive company. I mean, imagine a company as big as Boulevard back then. Like we were really that big of a, a brand, and just prohibition, you know, put an end to it. Mm-hmm. And then it took 95 years for us to come back, and no other distillery during that time period had o- had opened up in in KC. So you had to go through the, a lot of procedural type stuff, code type stuff. Oh yeah, I mean it's. Yeah, well, not just the city, but the state and federal. You've got, you know, all all three of those government uh, agencies that you have to go through. And Walt Disney had a uh, amusement park down there, right? <laughs> no, well, no, he didn't have an amusement park down I there. I thought he but, did. No, he was Battery so. Park or, uh, it was called Electric Park. Electric Park, yeah. but it wasn't his. Okay, he went there okay. as a kid. It was owned by the Heim family, who had okay. a brewery down there, and that's where our, our distillery is located, next to the old uh, uh, bottling plant for the the brewery. Um, but they had the first electric. Uh, electrically powered amusement park in the country. 
back then. And then they also had, because they were brew, they were beer brewers, they ran, uh, beer lines underground and had draft beer, like one of the first in the country to have beer on tap coming out of the ground, like out of these pipes out of the ground and just blew people's minds. But Walt Disney grew up in Kansas City and he would go to, uh, Electric Park a lot as a kid. And it really influenced, uh, you know, what he ended up doing with Walt Disney World and 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 all that stuff. The the, the tidbit there is, is that um, they shot fireworks off every night. Every right? night, yeah, at, they at, they at shot off. Park, and that's right. kind of that kind of was one of the reasons why they do it at Disneyland, Disney oh, World, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. It's crazy. It's really cool to think that Kansas City had that much influence. Hell, I mean, Disney uh, he invented Mickey Mouse here in Kansas City at his office down on like Jackson and Thirty First or whatever, wherever it was. It is crazy. I mean, it's just crazy to think about. Like, had had things been a little different, you know? Yeah. Had he built something here? I I, know, I mean, right. a major theme park right. in in Missouri. What it would have done for the economy? I know. Um, talking to Ryan, maybe. So East Bottoms, you've you've been down there. Uh, you mentioned some things down there, like you're right by Knuckleheads, the local pig. Right. So, what take us through kind of the infrastructure? I mean, obviously that area has got a long way to go, but you think it's it's moving on up. It's, it's got a lot of potential. Uh, we can only go up, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know as far as that again, neighborhood it's goes. Right, it's right kind of near Berkeley Riverfront Park. It is, kind of yeah. by, uh, Columbus Park kind of down below. Uh, yeah, it's just a little bit uh, further northeast from uh, Columbus Park and uh, uh, just along the river east of Berkeley Riverfront Park. So if you know where Berkeley Riverfront Park is, it kind of ends. Its eastern edge is the, the highway there, uh, 35 uh, where on the other side is the Isle of Capri Casino, and that's Front Street. So it gets into like a really industrial neighborhood. Well, that's that's basically where we're at. It's down there. Mm-hmm. So it, it's really kind of a tucked away, uh, little known neighborhood of Kansas City. That's mostly industrial. It's kind of, it's kind of bordered by the river and surrounded by railroad tracks. Um, but I think there's some serious potential down there. And when you think about what Knuckleheads has accomplished, and Local Pig is a destination, and and you've got uh, Urban Provisions, nice little boutique retail store right next to it i think there's a it's like the spark you know mm-hmm. that that mm-hmm. that could potentially lead to something much bigger and if you've been a knucklehead you've definitely driven by uh, jay rieger yeah right even if there. you don't it's realize got, it it's, got, it's a grayish <laughs> yeah. like big building no windows no sign it's got it's got vineyards all it's got some ivy on it yeah some vines surrounding it it's yeah. cool but there's no sign now hopefully our, our plan will be to uh expand uh into the building next to us and then we'll have uh, signage and we'll have more of a, a visitor experience. Uh, ultimately that's the, that's the goal. But that's right cool. now we're just focused on, uh, on cranking out some booze, you know? <laughs> Speaking of which, if you go there, you'll notice there's a ton of barrels. Yeah. How many about, barrels do you have in there? Uh, roughly around 2,000 barrels right now. 2,000. Yeah. And you've got the, uh, Royals World Series champagne barrel <laughs> that I, that I autographed and everyone <laughs> autographs when so, they come through. Yeah. And a couple of people have like written some things on there, like go Cubs or cards or something like that. We, oh, have, to, really? we have to sand it off. You know? <laughs> so not allowed. You're going to reopen that when they win another World Series. Is that right? Uh, yeah. So the plan is here's how this barrel came about. Um, our head distiller, Nathan Perry, uh, had the idea to use champagne yeast, mm-hmm. uh, in a uh, bourbon fermentation. Uh, which I don't know if that's ever been done before. There's all these, there's like a million yeast strains out there that have different, uh, purposes and different functions. They add different flavors to, to, uh, you know, whatever you're using. Um, but he decided to use champagne yeast, uh, when, uh, the Royals, uh, were in the, won, won the World Series two years ago. And, uh, he distilled this batch of bourbon using champagne yeast the day after they won the World Series and we put it in a barrel. And the plan is to open it. Um, next time they win 
the World Series. So it could be five years, it, it could be 50 or years. Or, <laughs> we, well, if we get to t- – you can't let it go 50 years or it'll just be completely evaporated. Um, but if if they don't win one within the next 10 years, uh, we'll open it on the 10th anniversary of the 2015 World Series victory. Oh, cool. That is interesting. Yeah, I wonder how long that would last in that barrel. Well, bourbon, you know, usually, you know, in this in this climate, you're looking at uh, ideally five or six years is kind of a, an average a uh, good time to to let bourbon age, but but you can probably go as long as ten or twelve years. You don't really want to go much longer than that. So you're talking about the East Bottoms. Uh, I know there's a feasibility study out there to extend the streetcar to uh, Riverfront Park. Yeah, because I know Riverfront there's some Park. condos and stuff going down there in office space. Apparently, there's a big development happening down there. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of been looked at. I, I've read about that. Yeah. And eventually, it'd be cool to have it all the way to the East Bottoms. I would love to see that because it's really not that to, much to, further. To your uh, distillery, it would be great, and it actually be uh, it would be historically accurate because back in the late 1800s, early 1900s, the Heim family built a streetcar line uh, that went down there to their to their brewery, right to our building, to where we are right now. And so, if we could recreate that, I think that would be amazing. So the Heim family really was uh, did a lot of stuff. Oh man, yeah, they. Uh, yeah, little little known, little recognized in Kansas City, but back in the 1800s, you know, same with the Rieger family, Jacob Rieger, and starting up uh, starting up the distillery and everything. It's around the same time you had the Heim family in the in the East Bottoms building up that brewery, and they were one of the largest breweries in the country. Yeah, it's just amazing. So if you go down there, we're gonna have to have on uh, Andy's wife Lucy sometime because yeah, she. Uh, I mean, I've talked to you so many times that she was throwing out tidbits that I would never even thought of. Yeah. And uh, it, it's just the history of Kansas City and, and the and the liquor industry and what you guys are doing, it's just it's mind-blowing. And I had no idea that Electric Park was down there. Yeah. And I knew about Battery Park. That was kind of the next mm-hmm. evolution um, closer closer up, up closer to downtown, but just crazy. Just crazy how Kansas much City's there is. got a ton of history that is kind of buried. It's there. You got to peel back the layers a little bit though to to, to learn about it. So you guys really were kind of the pioneers, um, getting all this coding done with the city and rewriting it and and bringing it back because now <clears> we're seeing more and more of these um, breweries, craft breweries or distilleries kind of popping up. Yeah, you know what's interesting about it? I think uh, Andy deserves a lot of that credit because um, well, first of all, he moved he moved from Dallas here. Right? He did, and he he brought her along as a his girlfriend, now wife, right, right, and quit a job, and right, turned down a job. I mean, there, there's so many things. <laughs> he, and, he just, and you yeah. guys, apparently, you guys talked about the idea for about a year. I no, think. About two years, it actually. Two years. It was about a two year long, roughly a two year long process between the time that he and I met, and then uh, uh, when he finally decided, yeah, I'm going to do this, and he up and quit his job Full unannounced time. and yeah. moved back here and, and did everything. But you know what's interesting about that is with uh, you know the the prohibition. Uh, era and having not having any uh, distilleries in Kansas City for so long, getting the state approval was a piece of cake. Missouri is Missouri is easy when it oh, comes yeah. to alcohol. There, Anheuser you know, Busch, all those thank years. you, Anheuser Busch, absolutely. <laughs> However, the city had no idea what to make of us. They didn't. They're like, so you're a restaurant? No, we're not a restaurant. They're like, you're a brewery? Nope, nope, we're not a winery, not a brewery. You know, we're, we they just couldn't wrap their heads around like well, what were we doing. were trying to do, and so. Uh, it was a lot of hand holding uh, during that process, um, you know. But now it kind of, kind of did pave the way for there to be other uh, distilleries here in in Kansas City because now you've seen uh, a handful of others open up, and I'm sure there will be more. Well, you guys definitely are on the forefront. I mean, it's kind of like the Boulevard when Boulevard kind of became well known in Kansas City. I think you guys are well on your way to to being kind of the face of the uh, the liquor industry here in Kansas. Well, City. I hope so. 
Yeah. That's the goal. The brand is cool. The <laughs> brand is cool. We're talking to Ryan Maybe from the Rieger KC and Jay Rieger and Co. Ryan, how much do you split your time between those two? What, what's kind of the breakdown? Um, right now, there's been it's been kind of shifting over the last uh, couple of years because we're we're distributed now in 17 states, and so I'm spending a lot of time on the road. And I'd say the vast majority of my time is being spent uh, promoting Jay Rieger and Co. Um, and then when I'm home, I'm I'm at the restaurant and, and manifesto. Are you I'm, are you down at the distillery more or are you at the restaurant more on a daily basis? Um, I'm probably at the restaurant more, mm-hmm. but I'm out of Kansas City more than anything else, mm-hmm. um, working other markets. But when I'm at home, um, I, I generally uh, try to spend some time at the Regarnet Manifesto. We've got 30 seconds left in this segment. Ryan, what, is the, what has been the toughest nut to crack on the states? Which state has been the hardest so far? Oh, tough call, man. Um, you know, I just visited New Orleans. Uh, just two weeks ago, uh, because that was a really Louisiana has some different laws down there. Yeah. And just, you know, we hadn't, you know, maybe it's a matter of our distributor. We just hadn't really cracked that city yet. So I went down there to spend some time and try and, and light a fire under them and get things moving. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Ryan, maybe is our guest today, contributor and partner to the grill nation show. We'll be right back after the break. Hope you're enjoying the show and having a great day. And we're going to talk more and more about things going on here with Ryan, as well as some Kansas city issues after the break. I got that sunshine in my pocket. Got that good soul in my feet. I feel that hot blood in my body. When it drops, ooh, I can't take my eyes off. One shot, two shot, copper tone red. Every time you kiss me, it's like sunshine and whiskey. Welcome back to Grill Nation with Jason Grill, 980 AM, KMBZ, and on com. You can find all of our partners and supporters on Grill Nation Show, as well as photos of our guests and all of our social media information. One of those partners and contributors who comes on every other month, usually with the guests, sometimes not, is Ryan Maybe. His Twitter handle is at RoundTableRide. Check it out. Is uh, one of the owners of J. Rieger & Co. The website is jriegerco.com. Also, uh, one of the partners at uh, the Rieger KC, or just call it the Rieger, and also at Manifesto, which is in the basement of the Rieger. Brand new websites for all of those uh, entities. They're all great. Check them out. Uh, the Rieger KC, jriegerandco.com, and uh, manifestokc.com. Ryan, uh, welcome back. We're talking about uh, your businesses. I want to talk to you about Kansas City Whiskey. I have the T-shirt now I purchased at the mm-hmm. distillery. It's a blue, really cool T-shirt. Kind of has the curse of uh, royal-type letters on yeah, it. Yeah, it's the ballpark, ballpark script. script. It's, it's yeah. meant to look like a, a baseball team. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and I got it, and I'm like, you know, I just like the colors, like the look of it. Um, but then I realized there is actually, you guys are branding the whiskey, Kansas City Whiskey. And right. There, and there's a reason behind that. Um, so on your bottle, it says Rieger's Kansas City Whiskey. So this really right. is a, a complete branding type mm-hmm. of trying to create a Kansas City Whiskey. That you it's can, like a category. Yeah. So you got to think of it like whiskey is the big uh, overarching broad uh, category. Whiskey can be anything. You can, scotch is whiskey. There's Irish whiskey. There's Japanese whisk, single malt whiskey. There's bourbon, rye. But they're all whiskey, right? Yeah. Bourbon is whiskey. So Kansas City Whiskey... Uh, we've essentially um, recreated a blend that is uh, historically accurate to a lot of whiskey that was being made back in the 1800s when our company was founded. Uh, so we're blending three different whiskeys together that range in age from five to 10 years old. There's five-year bourbon, five-year rye, and a 10-year-old corn whiskey. Um, and then we add a really small amount of 15-year-old Oloroso sherry to it. And that's really... What does that mean, a really small amount? 
like less than 2%. Okay. Less than 2% of the final blend is 15-year-old Oloroso Sherry. And while that sounds insignificant, it isn't. The flavor that it adds, even in such a small amount, is kind of remarkable. It, it changes it a lot. And it's something that was a very common practice back in the 1800s uh, that today is completely unheard of. And so when we discovered that history and that that was a part of American whiskey making back then that no one's doing now, we thought, hey, this is a great opportunity for us to uh, kind of celebrate our roots and our past, but also by today's standards, do something that's completely innovative and different. Mm-hmm. And so it, it allowed us to create a new category of American whiskey and identify it as Kansas City whiskey. Mm-hmm. And that's really exciting. It wasn't something that we uh, planned on doing from the beginning. It kind of kind of stumbled into it by by discovering this this uh, history and when we were trying to figure out what our first bottling was going to be. Um, but now it's I think it's become without question our flagship, mm-hmm. you know, and something that we're most known for. And so you know we're making bourbon on a regular basis and we're making rye on a, on a on a regular basis. And when they're ready, probably four or five years. You know, they'll be bottled, but they'll be bottled as straight bourbon and as straight rye, and Kansas City whiskey will stay Kansas City whiskey. Mm, interesting. That is interesting. So the process is how long now to do that for the rye and the bourbon? Ten years? Um, at least five. Five years. Yeah. I mean, really, you can honestly make bourbon or rye and, and you know, age it for one day if you want um, and put it in a bottle and sell it. But uh, if you want something that tastes like, good classic american kentucky straight bourbon you know the stuff that people are used to um uh, you're looking at a good f- minimum four or five years mm-hmm. for it to get there but it really just depends on um where it's being aged in barrel and and for how long and and that kind of thing and when it when it tastes right but i'm, I'm gonna guess it'll be about five years before we release uh, a bourbon or so rye. you'd release you'd already have your four or five you have now then you'd even add two or three more to the collection. Well, so what we're putting, are you talking about what's in our, our Kansas City whiskey bottle? That no, is, no, 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 your, your, your collections. You already have a whiskey, a gin, a vodka. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Cafe Amara, and then yeah. you have specialty products like sure. for Dead, and then you have the monogram. Yeah, absolutely. So when our bourbon is ready and when our rye is ready, yeah, we will, um, we will absolutely bottle keep, them keep as growing. new, as a new line extension, right? Mm. So the whiskey, uh, your Kansas City whiskey is good, uh, to make certain drinks. Horse feather, Manhattan and old fashioned. Now, horse feather, you had, at an event last year that you were making in a bottle and it was yeah. delicious. Yeah. Um, that is ginger beer. Yeah. It's really just a, like a highball, like familiar with like a Moscow mule. It's like that. Um, but using, uh, our whiskey, ginger beer, and then a few dashes of Angostura bitters and then garnishing with a little squeeze of lemon. So it's super easy to make. It's really light and refreshing. And, uh, what was the third thing you said? Angostura bitters. Okay, it's to, like the. I need to figure out where to get those. <laughs> I, it's it's the most like ubiquitous bitters on the market. You've seen it before. It's got the the misshapen label that like kind of like comes up over the top of the shoulder of the bottle, and it's got the big yellow cap on it. It's mm-hmm. like you know for years, every bar had one bottle of bitters, and it was that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been around since eighteen twenty four. You can pick that up anywhere. Then huh? you can get it at the grocery store, even though there's a whole bunch of alcohol in it. Okay, it's considered non potable, so. You can buy it. So you throw that in there, ginger beer, uh-huh. your local ginger beer that you like, and uh, it's a great drink. It, it is, is. It's delicious for the summer. It is, and it's easy to make. You can make it at home, you know, out camping, anything like that. And I, and I think what's really cool about it is that, um, first off, it, it's got some roots in Kansas City, you know, which is, is really neat. And then also, if if you think you're not a whiskey drinker, if you think, you, well, I don't like whiskey drinks because you're probably associating it with like an old fashioned or a Manhattan, something that's kind of boozy and kind of sweet. This Stronger. is just the opposite. This is light and refreshing and, and just crushable. 
I like it. I like it. We're going to have to make some of that. You guys had some at the distillery on the tour I did the other day. Absolutely. Delicious. We've always got it on hand. <clears throat> Ryan maybe is with me today on the Grill Nation show. Ryan, you mentioned you travel a lot. Um, talk to us about some of your upcoming trips. I know you're going to be uh, heading to New York here soon with a Visit KC. In, yeah. In the KC ADC. Yeah. What I'm, is that like? Um, it's great because it's basically the, the Kansas City Chamber of Commerce getting behind uh, building up brands and creative individuals so in Kansas in, City. I saw you were on a rooftop in New York City last year. Yeah, yeah, and we're doing that again this so year. So you just, you just get a place and you put up a sign and you're you're, you're partying it up with great cocktails and people... Well, it's not quite that easy. Well, I know, I know it's not that easy, but I'm, I'm trying to paint a visual for our guests. You know, it's it's people from New York are like, what the heck's going on? Well, and it's media-driven. So all of the guests are journalists, okay. writers, media. media, media, media because the, the goal is to get some exposure for Kansas City, and, they, and it's really worked. I think if you look at uh, like what they're, they've done over the years, the KCADC and visitkc.com, uh, they've organized these trips where they take chefs and and bartenders and and <clears throat> bands or we're, we're taking some local musicians out there mm-hmm. and create trying to create uh the kansas city vibe there in new york for all these journalists right and give them something to write about something to talk about whether it's uh howard's food or selena tio's food or christopher elbow chocolates or herman mahari you know and his music or mm-hmm our cocktails or whatever it is, and we end up getting some good press from it. I mean, I've I know the that. USA Today is written about us because of, as a direct result because of these trips, and I think there's there's a whole bunch of examples uh, where this has really paid off. It's really smart if you think about it from a like brand-building uh, perspective for the city. It, it's really smart. I saw you did one in Chicago, too, where there was like a food mm-hmm. truck or two. Yeah. And uh, there's just people working and coming up. It's and- really fun, man. Yeah. It's uh it, it's it's a lot of fun and, and yeah we're gonna do it again do it that's in two weeks in new york um before that i've got minneapolis and chicago so you hadn't um, been to minneapolis before last time you were on what did you think of it i loved it yeah i really uh i was there for like two three days and really enjoyed it i did two nights back-to-back guest bartending uh at these two different bars uh which is it that's a trip i mean going into not only going into a city that i hadn't been to before but stepping behind a bar that I've never seen before and working and making cocktails, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's a level of stress and anxiety that comes with it because you're in kind of an unfamiliar, in unfamiliar surroundings, working with people you've never worked before. And there's a lot of pressure, but at the same time, it's a lot of fun because I'm getting to sling drinks again, you know, which I don't get to bartend as much as I used to. And mm-hmm. I, I miss that. So that's a lot of fun. And then also just I'm getting sure to promote learn, KC. I'm sure you learn a lot too, when you are bartending. Absolutely. Yeah. Always. And when you don't do it for a while, maybe you kind of, <laughs> You know, I try not to get too rusty, you know, yeah, try, right. try to stay, stay fresh. It's always respected. I always thought it was really cool how bartenders could make thousands of different types of drinks yeah. and remember how to do that. Yeah. And then not screw them up where people get upset. That's, right. that's the hard part. That is, that is the hard part. Ryan, maybe. So Minneapolis, New York city, you're going to do a visit KC event, media event there. Uh, you're doing a July festival in new Orleans too, where you're going <clears> to <throat> be leading a seminar. <clears throat> right. So, Tales of the Cocktail is a uh, festival in New Orleans that takes place every July. I think they're on the year like number 14 or 15. It's been around for a while. And it's kind of like the worldwide industry standard convention, so to speak, or conference. It's a week-long conference for everything booze-related. So It's in New Orleans. It's in New Orleans every year. Uh, They started it, and it's just become absolutely a global phenomenon. And... So you'll get people flying in from all over the world to uh, attend seminars and tastings and learn and uh, go to go to parties and stuff and and sometimes you know give seminars. So I'm leading a seminar 
this year on the history of rectified whiskey in America. So okay. I'm talking about old school whiskey and like some of the things that happened back in the mid 1800s that led up, led up to, um, you know, the, the whiskeys that we know today, like bourbon and, and rye and things like that. And so who will be in that class or that seminar? It's already sold out, um, but it'll be, you know, enthusiasts, a lot of bartenders, you know, and, and just people that are, that want to geek out. It's going to be a pretty geeky seminar, you know, a pretty in-depth one. I know, but one. you guys aren't like, it's not like it's a tech seminar, you know, and there's, there's, there's tech nerds. I mean, you guys are. No, it's booze nerds. Booze nerds. I've never, <laughs> right. I mean, you're probably the biggest booze nerd I've ever met. I don't know anyone else that's a, as big as a booze nerd as you. Um, that'll be interesting. That'll be a fun party and a, yeah. a good learning experience. I'm Absolutely. Assuming. I'm assuming you'll go to some of the seminars as well. I try to, take yeah. Something I in. usually try to. to, to <clears> you're not going to be selling the whole trip, are you? You're not going to be um, setting up meetings. You're going to be actually doing no, it. I mean, I do have a lot of uh, meetings set up already. We have, On a, site, I have a sales. Like the people that go to that? In some cases, yeah. There? In some cases, yeah. So you're you're meeting with bar managers, owners, bartenders, and that kind of thing to try and get them to to push your stuff, you know, to get Rieger out there. Well, I think you're doing a good job. Uh, there's going to be a lot more Rieger. I'm, I'm going to be traveling more this summer, hopefully. Hopefully, I'll see it in some of the cities I go to. We'll get Absolutely. back to that after the break. We're talking to Ryan Maybe, partner and supporter of Grill Nation Show. Just a great guy, doing a lot of great things here in Kansas City and throughout the country. Final segment today, we're going to talk about some Kansas City issues and a few other things Ryan has been working on. You're listening to Grill Nation. Thanks for joining us. Hello and welcome back to the show. You're listening to Grill Nation with your host, Jason Grill. It's great to be here again. Thank you all for listening today, whether that's via podcast on iTunes or Stitcher Radio or live on the air on 980 AM KMBZ or if you're listening uh, down the road at grillnationshow.com. Hope you're having a great week and a weekend. Uh, we're talking to Ryan Maybe, partner and supporter of the Grill Nation show. Ryan, we're entering summer now. Uh, we've talked about horse feather cocktails uh you are doing a lot of work with a uh great uh country great club woodside health and fitness um they have all kinds of things going on but i know you've been working with them for a few years on their menu but their pool is just now opened uh very very great pool a lot of people go to it uh tell us about your partnership with them and what you're doing it's beautiful um so they brought me on I think this is year number five now. They brought me on back when they did this massive remodeling of the uh, the pool, the outdoor pool deck, and they wanted to build a, a full bar and everything. So they brought me on to consult and help them design the bar itself, uh, the layout, help uh, develop the the cocktail menu, um, hire the staff, train the staff. So they just wanted to offer you know a little bit um, better quality uh, cocktails and that kind of thing. And so now I come back every year. And help uh, mix the menu up a little bit, train the new the newcomers, and uh, just get it out there. It's a lot of fun. It's a nice little uh, uh, reprieve for me in the summer when I'm when I'm here in town. You know, I can go down there on the weekends and and help out. And mm-hmm. uh, it's a beautiful setting. Seems know? to be that it's mo- it's growing too. And I'm assuming yeah. the new developments around it will help. I think so too. I mean, what they're doing, they're building all those residential units around there. Some some new retail, and mm-hmm. I think there's some other bars and restaurants that are going to pop up. I think all that will, I know the will certainly help. I know the roasteries down there now. Yeah, so that's cool. Yeah. Um. Well, that's great. I'm gonna have to check that out when I'm down there. Have one of your uh, absolutely your cocktails. Any recommendations? Uh, you could get a horse feather. <laughs> okay, good. There we go. That's all I. That's all I want this summer. Um. Ryan Maybe's with me today. Ryan, you're talking about traveling a lot. We have a new airport proposal uh, in Kansas City. 
which is a privately funded deal. Right. And um, what's been your experience at the airport? I know you travel, you go to other airports. Are you uh, pro excited about a new terminal? Or are you happy with what we have? Or what's your thoughts? Well, so initially I was like, why mess with a good thing, right? Because it, it, is, is, it is convenient for the most part. I mean, you're in and out really quick. Um, and having experienced a lot of other airports around the country, that can be, you know, a lot of hassle. Um, if, initially, a couple of years ago, I was, I was kind of opposed to it. I'm like, let's not mess with it. We got more important things that we need to, need to fix in KC. But I've kind of changed my tune on that. And, uh, I do think that having a, a better, uh, more modernized airport would be to our advantage, especially if, if it's not going to cost the taxpayer money, you know, and if it's going to be, uh, funded privately or whatever, I mean, why not? You know, and especially if you've got airlines that are saying that they are going then to increase traffic through here, there'll be more stops here, more uh, more flights in and out of our airport. I mean, I think everyone stands to benefit from that. So I agree, and that's the thing people aren't talking about. Um, people have this notion that Kansas City has like ninety gates. It does not. Like, no. like it starts at thirty, I believe. I talked to the airport guy. So there's three terminals, but I think they started yeah, but the like, first terminal shut down. Yeah, a, a isn't even open. If anymore. all of them were open, I'm saying right. it, there's only like sixty gates. Um, and right now, I think there's like thirty to thirty five that are in operation. But the fact is, is that the airlines need bigger gates. They have yeah, small gates, and so it's not really a good comparison to say we already have all these gates. It's just not efficient. Um, so I think I, I really hope that the city. And the voters, I mean, this does, technically doesn't even really need to be voted on, but it's still going to be voted on. Yeah. Um, do that because even when you travel to mid-tier cities or, or like us, uh, the Louisvilles, the Austins, you know, cities that are growing, um, they have great airports and they're one terminal and they're not, right. they're not, they're very convenient. Right. Um, and so I think that I really believe that if they get this done, they are going to make it convenient. Uh, I, I think so modern. too. No, and and that's really the key. And and as as convenient as easy as it sometimes seems to go in and out of KCI, uh, the reality is, uh, first off, you'd never want to get stuck there for a while. <laughs> I mean, that would be the absolute worst. And then second, um, there's not enough direct flights. You know, I I find all too often I have to uh, have layovers in in cities that are way out of the way yeah. to get to some place that's closer. And and it's so in that regard, it's really inconvenient. So if we can increase the number of Direct flights. Uh, direct flights and the incoming and outgoing flights. I think that's the biggest advantage. And then mm-hmm. if it's uh, upgraded and modernized uh, from a, a guest experience as well. I mean, I don't really care usually about retail and, and stuff like that in an airport. I always walk through airports thinking, well, why the hell would anyone want to go buy a suit in a, <laughs> you know, to Brooks a, Brothers or something? A, a it's, a, it's ridiculous. It's the Brooks Brothers right? in Washington, D.C. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get that. But, um, you know, there, if you're to get stuck... You know, you want to have a decent place to get a drink or something or a bite to eat, and that does not exist at at our airport, and that's something that uh, could probably or pay if, off. Or if in Kansas City right now, if you have to transfer, right? So, like for some reason, if you're going international, right? I've flown to uh, Los Angeles once, and I remember this because I had to switch terminals, right? And oh, what a pain! Because then you got to go back through security again. Yeah, and in Kansas City, that is like impossible, right? Um, like if you flew here and then had to fly international, you'd have to like get out. Take the bus right. to go to a different. I mean, it's just it's it's just not well. It's not well set up. And here, the real problem is let's let's just say we're happy with the status quo and we're like, okay, let's just leave it because it's convenient, it's easy, and why bother? Well, then if if all these other airports are stepping up their game, I think we're going to lose flights and it's going to become even more challenging if we don't keep up. Yeah, or Kansas will take the airport. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, and then all the people that we grew up around uh, and half the world will be having to drive to Olathe. 
Yeah, I don't think it's. Uh, I don't think we have much choice right now. I think we got to do. We have to do something. Yeah, we do. And the business community is all for it, and they use it right uh, more than your leisure traveler. Uh, we've also talked to tech folks who have said that candidly they want to locate offices here, but they don't have enough direct flights, and it's, yeah. it's a pain in the butt to 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 get people in and out. It is. So um, we'll talk more about that down the road, but I think that's going to hopefully be on the November ballot, and they'll do their due diligence. Quentin was on the show. Quentin Lucas, city councilman, last week. Um, they're gonna have lawyers look at the docs. Um, but it really pees me off when I when people are like, "Oh, Burns and McDonald's gonna make money." I'm like, "So what? Like they're stepping up to the plate. Like if they make some money, big deal. Like why are people against private entities making money too?" Yeah. And then when people are like, "But they didn't have an open bidding process." Well, the mayor basically said to the city and the business community, he said, this is in your hands. Sure. If you want to, you know, and so they did that and they stepped to the plate. Now, all these other companies are coming out from L.A. and New York yeah. and saying, hey, we want to be involved in this. Right. But they didn't want to they didn't want to back the bonds and yeah. the debt. So I don't know. I just feel like we, we step on our toes sometimes in Kansas City and there's people are so afraid of change. But usually the change comes out and works. Look at all the things that have happened downtown. Absolutely. You know, man. I mean, it's the rebirth the of best. that. I mean, it's it's continuing to grow. Right. Uh, hopefully we'll get a convention hotel done. Yeah. Which I think is still happening. Hopefully we'll extend the streetcar line. Yeah. And I'm those, all for that. Those things, they got to continue. And you work and have a business on the streetcar line. And I live. And you live there. Two blocks and, off and the streetcar line. And you've. Say it's been pretty good. And uh, it's you been like it. more than pretty good. It's been spectacular. Mm-hmm. The the impact, the positive impact it's had on my business as well as property values. You know, being a, a property owner, a business owner, uh, and a consumer in that area, I pay taxes. All those increased taxes on every level. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still, in hindsight, would absolutely do it ten times out of ten again. Mm-hmm. Ryan Mapey's been our guest, uh, partner and supporter of Grill Nation here every other month on the show. Ryan, we got about forty five seconds. Uh, you're going to con- potentially look into doing uh, single barrels for uh, different events, right? Yeah, possibly. You're, I mean, you're exploring for, uh, the idea. Yeah, we're exploring the idea of, of selling uh, entire barrels of whiskey and having it private labeled. No, I think that'd be huge. Yeah. Custom is huge right now. Do you want you one? Know. A Jason Grill uh, special <laughs> bottling? I would. I'd like to Grill Nation. Own, Grill like, Nation label. I'd like to have my own bottle. Right. I, I, I put <laughs> no, you're going to have to. You have to buy like 200. Okay. You want a whole barrel. <laughs> okay. 200 <laughs> bottles. Yeah. Maybe that's a good gift for someone one day. I'm going to have to start saving some money up. Um, Ryan Maybe has been our guest. Great, great guy. Websites are jriegerco.com, manifestokc.com, and if you want to go have a great bite to eat, theriegerkc.com. Ryan is on Twitter, at RoundTableRye. Ryan, thanks for your uh, contribution to the show and always for uh, bringing some uh, good flavor to it. I appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, man. It's always a pleasure. You've been listening to Grill Nation. We'll see you again next week. Have a good one, guys. I'm